welcome to Leesburg Daily, a Monday through Friday podcast where we dive into scripture, study together, and apply it to our lives. Today we pick up in John chapter 10, and if you remember, Jesus is at uh, the Feast of the Temples, um, or the Feast of Dedication, um, uh, what we know as Hanukkah today. Uh, it's a really neat history, a really neat uh, time for the Jewish people where they are celebrating a rededication of the temple after several hundred years of Hellenization. <clears throat> uh, today we pick up in, in verse 31, and uh, where we left yesterday, Jesus makes a pretty plain claim to divinity. They ask, you know, um, if you're the Christ, tell us plainly, and he says kind of more than that. He doesn't mention really the Christ. He says instead, I and the Father are one. You know, they've asked about his identity as Messiah. Uh, and in reply, they get a claim to his deity. Now, if they accepted Jesus, Jesus' identity as somehow divine, or at least somehow an agent of God, then they would have been able to receive him as Messiah. Um, but because Jesus doesn't claim to be Messiah... Uh, and because these people aren't expecting a Messiah who also is divine or shares in God's divinity, uh, they are unable to accept him or unwilling to accept him as Messiah. And so what we have is we have the scene intensifies. And in verse 31, it says the Jews picked up stones again to stone him. In verse 32, Jesus answered them, I have showed you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you stoning me? I mean, this is an amazing scene. They're standing there with stones in their hand, ready to kill him. And Jesus calmly tries to help them see their error. His sovereign calmness here uh, comes from being in the middle of the will of God. I mean, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but sometimes uh, when we're just doing the right thing, we know the thing that the Lord wants us to do. Uh, Even if it's a scary thing, we find a calmness there, and that's what we see with Jesus. The will of the Father is greater than than all other other things, and when we're standing in the midst, when we're in in the center of God's will, uh, there's a calmness that comes with that. Jesus continues to try to help them uh, come to faith, even though they're seeking to stone him. Even in the midst of, as they try to attack him, he's seeking to share uh, the message with them. He's he's wanting them to understand. He appeals to them on the basis of their experience of what he's done. He says, look, I've showed you many good works from the Father, which of them are you stoning me for? I, I think that's pretty neat the way he does he, he does this here. Uh, the, the deeds or the works are from the Father, he says. So they're not my deeds. They're the Father's deeds, and I've just simply done them. And, and, and my Father is the one that you claim to be your God, is essentially what he's saying. Uh, and they're good deeds. I don't know what your translation might say. Sometimes it might be translated great deeds. The word there is kalos, uh, K-A-L-O-S. And it's the same word used to describe the, the good shepherd in uh, verse 11. Um, but here's the thing. Uh, these deeds aren't just good 
or great. They're admirable. Um, It's been quoted by Barnett, who's a New Testament theologian. He says it's impossible to find a single English word that's equivalent to the Greek that's used here. Um, it, It suggests, here's the quote, which suggests the deeds of power and moral excellence resulting in health and well-being. And so our language doesn't really have a word that's equivalent to this Greek word that's used to describe the good works or the great works that Jesus has done. They're more than just good, they're admirable, and they and they lead to health and well-being and moral excellence. They're really unrefutable deeds. These are deeds that should have provoked awe and admiration and praise not anger and hostility that we see from the Jews they are good and these deeds have been good precisely because they're from the father and as Jesus has told us before nothing is good except that which comes from the father Uh, and so this should have been a good moment and so as we see here, the, the opponents are divided over what to make about Jesus. But a sufficient number of them have decided that his, uh, his scandalous claims are clear enough. Whatever might be the explanation of the miracles, um, his words alone are good enough to have his followers put out of synagogue and have Jesus himself stoned. Look at what they say. In verse 33, uh, the, the Jews answered him, For a good work we don't stone you, or we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, make yourself out to be God. Now, this is kind of interesting. This is like, we're not stoning you for the good things you've done. There's no debate, those good things, but we are stoning you for blasphemy. Blasphemy. Now, <clears throat> this understanding of blasphemy. Um, in later Jewish sources has to do with pronouncing the divine name uh, which is um, expressed in in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 3 um, it's only represented in Jewish writings by letters uh, since Hebrew doesn't have vowels it's represented um, in letters and it's Y-H-W-H and if you were to say that name that divine name that would have been uh, blasphemous in later sources. Uh, in the first century, we find writings that um, uh, deal with more, uh, more of a, a different aspect. Say, so we we see writings from Jewish uh, 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 rabbis, and it seems to be the the issue between the the church and the synagogue over claims of Jesus. You see, presumably there wouldn't need to be such a law about about blasphemy, about claiming to be God. It's unthinkable that one would even make such a claim. Um, but if such a claim were made, it would not take a lot of deliberation to determine whether or not it's blasphemy uh, against the one true God. I mean, if, if someone stands up and says, I am God, it seems pretty quick to be able to refute that. You know, 
when we look at Jewish literature dealing with blasphemy and claims to divinity, we see that in Jewish literature, uh, the Torah uh, and wisdom are both uh, seen as divine uh, and sometimes equated with divinity, but not but not as a human see um for a human to make such a claim is, is a much different thing sometimes wisdom and torah are are uh, personified as divine but for a person an actual human to make such a claim is a much different thing well jesus defends his claim using language that they should be able to understand through an appeal of the law look what he says he said, hasn't that been written in your law? I said, you are God's. So, so there he's quoting Psalm 82, verse 6. Here's the thing. He cites a text that uses the word God, and that's lowercase g-o-d, of, of those who are not actually God. Is, isn't that written in your law? I've said you are God's, quoting Psalm 82. Of the several proposals made by scholars uh, as to who this is um, uh, dealing with in Psalm 82 originally, um, most take it as a reference to either um, the, the the you or the you are gods in Psalm 82. Most take it to either refer to Israel's judges uh, or the people of Israel themselves as they receive the law. Uh, the latter, the people receiving the law, is the common understanding among most Jewish rabbis. But the former is also represented in Jewish uh, interpretation. And so, um, Jesus' expl- explanation that those those gods, those little lowercase G-O-Ds, uh, are those whom the word of God came. Look what he says. He says, if he called them gods... To whom the word of God came. Again, this could be either the people of Israel as they interpret the law, or the judges as they receive a special, um, as they receive their special calling as judge. Um, where are we? Uh, verse thirty-six. Do you say of him whom the Father sanctified and sent to the world that you are blaspheming? Because I said I am the Son of God. See, what's happening here is uh, in this passage in Psalm 83, the recipient, the the person who is called a lowercase God, is either the judges or the people as they interpret the law. And Jesus says here, he says, look, if he called called them gods, whether it be the judges or the people as they receive the law, and then Jesus describes it's, it's to those whom the law came, so again, either the people as they receive the law or the judges who are meant to enforce the law. Um, and, and scripture can't be broken, he adds that parenthetical note there. How do you say of him, that's me, or Jesus, whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world? Jesus, I'm sanctified just as a judge and sent into the world, just as one who has received the law. How do you claim that I'm blaspheming? Verse 37, he continues. He says, if I, if I do not do the works of my Father, don't believe in me. 
But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. This is a, a, a fascinating scene here. Again, they're standing there holding stones ready to stone him. Well, these stones were quite heavy, so maybe they've set them down at this point as they're talking, and then perhaps we'll pick them up again. But in the midst of this conflict, Jesus wants to explain to them and show them and teach them, help them come to a saving understanding. Even though he's already said that, that you aren't my sheep and you're not going to understand, again, in this passage, we see the the complexity of divine prerogative along with uh, personal uh, responsibility when it comes to faith. You know, last night in our bold men's group, we were in Romans chapter 9, and it deals a lot with God's sovereign choice, his prerogative of election, of, of saving. And it focuses heavy on God's prerogative, uh, but you you know, no scripture in and of itself is the is the last word on the topic. We need to interpret scripture as a whole. And here we see Jesus in the midst of those he's already called uh, don't have ears to hear because they're not his sheep. Uh, uh, explaining to them, hoping and and hoping that they will come to a saving faith. Again, we see this picture of divine prerogative and personal responsibility when it comes to matters of faith. Jesus says, "Look, you want to you want to kill me because and claim that I'm blaspheming because I said I'm the Son of God." You know the what he means by the title of Son of God goes beyond anything that they had thought before. Uh, it's not a it's not a denial of the truth of Scripture. In, indeed, Scripture itself, illustrated by Psalm 82, contains hints of such a revelation. And, and the scripture can't be broken. The scripture can't be kept from fulfillment. And so the scriptures indicate that they should not be put off by his claims and therefore should be open to the evidence of the deeds that he does before them, the, the works that he's done. He, he presents, presses this line of evidence. He says, don't believe me unless I do what the Father tells me to do. But the appeal at this point is 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 vain again in verse 39 they seek to seize him therefore they were seeking to seize him and he eluded their grasp they, they hadn't grasped his message and so they try to grasp him himself and and kill him and they failed to comprehend because they they lacked the hand of faith the Father who is greater than all will protect those who believe in Jesus. Jesus had just said, those in my hand can't be taken out. My Father's put them in my hand, and they can't be snatched out of my hand. And, and the, the Father will protect those who are in the hand of Jesus. And if that's the case, how much more will he protect Jesus himself? This is such a, 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 a cool a passage here. And a picture of grace and mercy and, and long-suffering as Jesus um, uh, stands in the midst of a, a crowd with stones and tries to help them come to a saving faith, a saving understanding. It's a picture of grace. And again, as our bold group wrestled through Romans 9 last night, 
Uh, we, we see that there's a divine a divine sovereign choice election God who saves and at the same time there is a human responsibility to respond in faith and those two things uh, are held in a balance for for us we have a picture of Jesus standing in the midst of opposition it could have been easy for Jesus to say, well, these guys are never going to understand and just uh, evade the whole situation, the whole interaction. He could have just slipped away uh, and not been seized and, and not had to go through this dialogue with them. But instead, he, he he dialogued with them. He didn't see them as a lost cause. And that's a good challenge for us today. As we go through this week and see those who the Lord puts in our path, may we not see them as lost causes may we take the time to explain to point them to the one who can bring them salvation well that's it for today uh thanks so much for tuning in this morning for leesburg daily tune in tomorrow as we end chapter 10 Uh, god bless take care and thanks for listening to leesburg daily